We live in an angry time, don't we? We do. I mean, from um, you know, road rage to soccer games, anger is all the rage, pun intended. And, uh, you know, when I look at people who get so angry and, and just are angered, just, the, you know, the temperature of the, the climate these days, you know, I think, man, people can't want to be angry, right? I mean, who wants to be angry? I mean, it, that just is, a lousy way to exist. So why are people angry? Where does it come from? Well, in reality, it comes, as Jesus describes, from within. You know, Jesus says that, that the, the things that are the words of our mouth, the actions that we have, all of that comes from our heart. It comes from what is going on inside of us. And uh, so, therefore, we're in this series now where um, we're taking a look at uh, Andy Stanley's book, Enemies of the Heart, and kind of drawing things from that, and, and taking a look at how uh, we need to take a heart check, what we call it EKG, take a heart check. And check out your heart to find out what's going on in there to see how you might be able to experience more of the freedom that Christ came to give to you. Today we're going to talk about anger. And with that, we're going to start here in Ephesians chapter 4, where it says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Yeah, get rid of anger? Right. Easier said than done, huh? Yeah, who wouldn't want to, but how in the world do you do that? But begin, we begin here by answering this fundamental question, and it's this, why are you angry? And you can say, well, <clears throat> it's because what she, what she said upset me. But no, no, no. Why are you angry? And if we look at this, what we can see, and we'll see more of in just a moment, is, is that when a person is angry, it's really a matter of, of debt, that somebody owes them something and they haven't paid up. So they're angry. They got to pay up. And um, Jesus put it this way when he was teaching the people. He, he taught oftentimes in parables, and he did so on this subject. And he, and he taught this way. He, he said that there was a master who had a slave. And the slave owed the master all kinds of money. And the day came when the amount was due, the bill was due, and the slave could not pay it back. So we catch up with him in Matthew chapter 18, where it says, The slave fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The slave's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that slave went out, he found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, a significantly smaller amount of money than he himself owed. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded, because he was angry. His fellow slave fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the slave in. You wicked slave, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow slave just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Whoa. Now, the servant or the slave, actually, of that master was angry. His fellow slave owed him money. It was a matter of justice. He had to pay him back. 
After all, he owed it to him. Now, last week, Pastor Tim was talking about guilt and how guilt is really a matter of me owing you. But anger, as we're talking about it today, is more a matter of you owing me. It's reverse. And until that debt is settled, anger can settle in your heart, take up residence there and rule from that place. You've probably known people with a real anger problem, right? Okay, people that uh, you come around, it's not a matter of when they're going to blow, or excuse me, if they're going to blow, it's going to be a matter of when. It's like uh, living in Pompeii with Mount Vesuvius nearby. They're about to blow any day now, any moment, any time. But the question now is not so much about them. We're going to bring it closer to home. What about you? Do you have an anger problem? You can take this little test, okay, and find that out. First of all, ask the people in your life. Ask the people who are closest to you. Ask your spouse. Ask your coworkers. Ask your kids. Do I have an anger problem? If you know the answer, even before they answer the question, you probably have an anger problem. If, on the other hand, when they are answering the question, it sounds like they're choosing their words very, very carefully because they are walking on thin ice. You probably have an anger problem. Or if, as they are answering, you frequently interrupt them and you want to defend yourself and argue your case, you probably have an anger problem. Anger can show up in a variety of ways. As a matter of fact, one way that anger can show up is, is in depression. Depression is described as anger turned inward. A lot of us deal with anger problems. A lot of us do that. The question is, what do we do about it? Where do we go? Well, when we have anger, there's a debt that needs to be paid. There's a sense of justice that needs to be solved, needs to be satisfied. You were wronged. It's time for them to pay. In the meantime, you're angry. But most of the times, the debt can't be paid. Think about it. I mean, how can you go back and relive something that was done? How can you go back and, and state a different way something that was said? It can't be said. It can't be done. I mean, most of the time, debts can't be repaid. So what, therefore, is the answer? Even if a person were to apologize, that may make it easier to take the second step, but it certainly does not satisfy the first. It still does not repay the debt. So what to be done? Only one option, and that's this, to cancel the debt. The parable that Jesus tells begs us to identify with the slave whose debt was forgiven and then who goes out and demands payment of the debt that is owed to him. It begs us to identify with that particular person. In uh, Matthew 18, verse 32, the master says, I can't to that slave. He says, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow slave just as I had on you? Well, we can respond to that by saying, yeah, but he owed me. I'm the victim here. He owes me. And yet you're telling me that if I don't forgive him, I'm going to wind up in prison. Because that's the way that the parable ends. In reality, what we can see here is that 
this is a description of what really happens in life. It's a description of what takes place. The debt can't be repaid. And the slave, that is, you, refused to cancel the debt, so your heart remains a prisoner of the unresolved debt. By you demanding payment, you will pay. And if you listen very closely, if you listen very carefully, you can almost hear the squeaking of the door, the metal door, slamming shut on your cell, the cell of your life, because of that uncanceled debt. So what's the answer? The answer is not payment of the debt, but rather it's canceling the debt. That's what the master did for his slave because he had the choice and he had the power to do so. And the slave also had the choice and also had the power to do so, but he chose not to. You now have the choice in the matter because you have the choice and you have the power to do so. Yes, but how? It's easier to say forgive than to actually forgive. How to forgive? We forgive by living in the shadow of the cross instead of in the shadow of our debt which means that I accept forgiveness from, when I accept forgiveness from God, I'm set free from the penalty of my sin. And when I forgive or cancel the debt of my adversary, I am then set free from the penalty of their sin. That's the way that Andy Stanley describes it. I love the way that he describes that. I'm set free from the penalty from their sin when I cancel the debt. It leads us to the power of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, which says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You don't forgive this other person because they deserve it, because they don't. You forgive the other person because you have been forgiven. That's living in the shadow of the cross. To do this, a person must develop a habit of forgiveness because we've developed a habit of anger and bitterness. And if you've ever tried to kick a habit, a bad habit, one of the best ways to do that is to replace a bad habit with a good habit. So here what we're talking about is this this word forgiving, which Paul uses, that, that word forgiving, which is an ongoing present tense, which means repeated action, continuous over and over again, um, you know, as the offense occurs, habit of forgiveness. And by doing that, it replaces the other habit. But what if I don't feel like it? You know, I don't feel like forgiving a lot. Well, most of us aren't going to feel like forgiving. As a matter of fact, you may never feel like forgiving. So how do you forgive even when you don't feel like it? Well, four steps to freedom here. The first one is this. Number one, and this is very important. By the way, if you, have, if, if you have never taken notes before, this may be a good time to start, okay? As, if, especially if, like me, you deal with this issue. Number one, identify who it is that you're angry with. And this doesn't sound very Christian. You know, after all, I'm going to name the person that I'm angry with. Why not just kind of gloss over it and say, oh, it doesn't really matter? Because it does. And because the wound is not going to be healed, the, the forgiveness is not going to happen The offense is not going to be canceled unless you identify the person that you're angry with. In the parable, they were identifying specifically who who it was whose debt was to be canceled. 
Okay, so who is that? Who is it? Who would you like to pay back if you thought you could get away with it? Their name goes on the list. Who is it that you would secretly desire to see fail? Their name goes on the list. You make the list. Identify who it is. Secondly, second step, determine what it is specifically that they owe you. Unless you determine what they owe you, okay, it's difficult to cancel that debt. Unless you identify what the debt is, it's difficult to cancel the debt. In the parable, the king forgave the slave a specific debt, a specific amount, right? And the slave uh, had the opportunity to cancel the debt of a fellow slave, which was a specific amount. So specifically, what is it that they owe you? What did they take is another way of putting it. Or another way is if you were to set things right again, what would it take to do that? What would it take to set things right again? That's the debt. And then third, cancel the debt. Cancel it. It's your choice to do this. You have the power to do this, just as a slave had the power to do this. To set yourself free from the effects of that other person's sin, you cancel the debt. And uh, Charles Stanley, who's uh, Andy Stanley's father, tells a story in one of his books about how he was angry with his stepfather because of the things that his stepfather had done. So what he did one day was he took a chair, he sat in the same room that he was in, and he pretended that that chair was his stepfather. And he listed through the various things that his stepfather owed him. And then before he got up and, and left that room, he turned to the chair and said, I forgive you for all of that. Now, that didn't stop the, the memories from coming back and things like that because they did. But when they did, Charles Stanley, Stanley was able to say, no, 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 no. I have canceled that debt. I have forgiven that debt. So cancel the debt. Finally, dismiss the case. Fourth step, dismiss the case. Anger is a matter of justice, isn't it? I mean, you know, I can't possibly forgive because that wouldn't be just. Justice means that, that this is a, a legal thing, which means that you are the judge. You are sitting in the judge's seat, so you have the opportunity. You have the authority and the right to dismiss the case. So you dismiss the case. And then when those memories come back again, and for most of us, they will. When the memories come back again, you can recognize that the memories themselves are not the enemies because something did happen. Something really was said. There was an offense. There was a hurt. There was something there. But you can look at it and you can say, no, case closed, case dismissed, I've canceled the debt. And when that happens, you can turn to your Lord and say, wow, God, thank you for your grace, for living in the shadow of the cross. I mean, that's an amazing thing, an amazing kind of freedom that can happen at that moment. Now, when a person is diagnosed with heart disease, they've gone to the doctor, and the doctor comes back with that kind of a diagnosis. What I've seen is that the fundamental question is not, where did this come from, even though that might be there too. No, no, no. The, the most important question that they're asking at that moment in time is, how do I fix it? There is an antidote to anger. 
And the antidote to anger is forgiveness. Amen.